We begin with a man speaking to a crowd, whipping them up into a frenzy, appealing to their civic pride and saying that if this other group comes to power, there'll be economic ruin. You'll lose your place of esteem in the broader world. And the crowd is whipped up into such a frenzy that they storm this structure and begin to chant slogans associated with the speech that they've just heard. This, I'm referring here to a story from the New Testament, the book of Acts. It's found in Acts chapter 19, verses 23 to 41. There's a man named Demetrius who is a uh, silversmith. He crafts shrines to the goddess Artemis. And he's living in a place called Ephesus. Ephesus is the fourth largest city at the time in the Roman Empire. Uh, it is also the capital city of a place that is called Asia at the time in the Roman Empire. It has about 250,000 people for its population. About 10% of those are Jews. And Demetrius is someone who uh, makes these shrines to the goddess Artemis. And there is a temple to the goddess Artemis that is one of the seven wonders of the ancient world at the time. So it is a key aspect of life in Ephesus. And it's Demetrius who is saying to this crowd of people, and especially fellow craftsmen who create these shrines and these statues of the goddess Artemis, that there's a new group called The Way, and this is a group led by Paul. Paul is preaching about giving one's allegiance to God alone. And Demetrius is saying to the crowd, People are starting to buy into what he's saying, and if this gains popularity, then our economy is going to be undermined. Our esteem as Ephesians is going to be undermined, because who is going to want to buy statues of gods like Artemis if they buy into this idea that there is only one supreme god to whom you're supposed to give allegiance? It leads to a riot of idolatry. So riot over idolatry. They storm the amphitheater in Ephesus. And when one Jewish man stands up to try and create calm, they recognize that he's a Jew and they drown out his voice with this chant. And the chant is, great is Ephesian Artemis. Imagine thousands in this amphitheater with these resonant acoustics chanting, great is Ephesian Artemis. This is a riot over idolatry. That's first century. Let's talk about 21st century and another riot over idolatry. I'm talking about what transpired on January 6, 2021, when a joint uh, meeting of Congress was meant to formalize the presidential election victory of Joe Biden. But uh, President Donald Trump held a meeting and spoke to a crowd and challenged their national pride, just as Demetrius had challenged the civic pride of fellow Ephesians. Here, Donald Trump was challenging the patriotic national pride of those in the crowd. Fight like hell, he said. Take the country back. Just as Demetrius said that of this, these people from the way, which was a term for Christianity, by the way, come to power, it's going to create ruin. Donald Trump was saying, if you allow these Democrats and Joe Biden to come to power, it's going to create ruin. Save America. And the crowd was whipped up into a frenzy. And instead 
of uh, storming the amphitheater in Ephesus. In this case, you had many people who stormed the Capitol building in D.C. And they chanted. They chanted. In the case of uh, the story in Ephesus, they're chanting, Great is Ephesian Artemis. In this case, they chanted many different things, including stop the steal. To understand why I'm calling that also a riot of idolatry, like the riot that you have in Ephesus, we have to go back to Donald Trump's inauguration speech. In fact, he wanted to call his inauguration day a national day of patriotic devotion. So you can see the patriotic devotion in that chant in Ephesus. Great is Ephesian Artemis. So it's mixing religion and um, a celebration of civic pride. Great is Ephesian Artemis. Donald Trump also mixed the language of religion with a national pride, with the language of patriotism. He said, at the bedrock of our politics will be a total allegiance to the United States of America. And through our loyalty to our country, we will recover loyalty to each other. This is idolatry. To give total allegiance to something other than God or someone else besides God is, from Jewish, Christian, Muslim perspectives, idolatry. And it also failed to satisfy people's deepest longings, as idolatry does. It fails to satisfy people's deepest longings. Because at least from the perspective of Christianity, God has created us to find satisfaction for our deepest longings in relationship with God. When people try to find satisfaction for their deepest longings in other people and in other things, they will be disappointed dejected, maybe devastated, as was one woman who reportedly said the following during the riot at the, the Capitol building. When police started firing tear gas, she said this, this is not America, a woman said to a small group, her voice shaking. They're shooting at us. They're supposed to shoot Black Lives Matter, but they're shooting the patriots. For this woman, patriotism didn't create loyalty, a sense of loyalty uh, or sisterhood or brotherhood with other people. She felt like people promoting Black Lives Matter should be shot. And then patriotism didn't satisfy her. It, it didn't bring, it didn't fulfill uh, the promise that Donald Trump had said that it would. Here they were, the patriots, she said, being shot by the police. Idolatry, ascribing the power of God to things and people. It's probably easy for some of us to look down on the, the people who participated in those protests and then the riots and certainly the storming of the Capitol building. Most of us cannot identify with doing something like that. But I have to admit, I can identify with the foundations of that kind of behavior because I, it's sad to say, am an idolater. Sometimes. Sometimes I try to find my deepest longing in things and people other than God. And uh, that's why I can identify with Henry Nowen, who said this, Aren't you like me, hoping that some person, thing, or event will come along to give you that final feeling of inner well-being you desire? 
don't you often hope, may this book, idea, course, trip, job, country, or relationship fulfill my deepest desire? But as long as you are waiting for that mysterious moment, you will go on running helter-skelter, always anxious and restless, always lustful and angry, never fully satisfied. You know that this is the compulsiveness that keeps us going and busy, but at the same time makes us wonder whether we are getting anywhere in the long run. This is the way to spiritual exhaustion and burnout. This is the way to spiritual death. And I would add, this is idolatry. And it's really interesting, maybe sad, but I read this, uh, that quote from Henry Nouwen, on a day that I listened and watched an advertisement that came on the television while I was watching a football game. So Henry Nouwen talked about uh, this longing for deep satisfaction in things other than God, whether it's a country or uh, a book or a course, that one thing that we think, ah, if this happened the way we want it to, we're attached to certain outcomes, that certain things could transpire or people could come in our lives who would finally satisfy our deepest longings, that that makes us restless. That's what Nowen said, but I'm watching a commercial that is intentionally using this language of restlessness to encourage us to be restless, to seek for something else to satisfy. It's uh, by, it was a commercial by, uh, for the RX crafted by Lexus, this uh, prestigious kind of car. And the line in the advertisement was, stay restless, stay restless. Stay restless with the icon that does the same, the RX crafted by Lexus. We are inundated with opportunities to hear other voices that will confuse us, that uh, vie for our attentions, that call for our allegiance. This will satisfy you, these voices say. And these voices have the potential, just as in the case of Ephesus, when this Jewish man rose up to try and create calm and the crowd drowned him out. These voices have the potential to drown out the most important voice in our lives, a voice of love. These voices that say, you need this, look at this, uh, try to acquire this, hold on, grasp on to this outcome that you want. Those voices tell us that we are not enough. We are ins insufficient, and not only does it, do they say that we're not enough, that we're insufficient, they say by extension that God is not enough, that God is insufficient for us. So we need to amplify another voice. We will lose our own voice, our unique contribution to this world. This is a concept that writers talk about. So if writers are thinking about trying to appeal to different audiences when they're crafting a story or they're, they're writing an article and they're just trying to appeal to all these different kinds of voices in their head, different groups, uh, and, and trying not to step on anyone's toes, in the process, they can lose their voice. They can lose their authentic sense of identity. You want, when you're writing, to have your voice shine through some way, to have your authentic uh, identity be part of the contribution 
to this writing. But when we hear all these other voices, when we open the doors of our heart for these other people, these other things, these other voices to come into our heart and chant, you're not good enough, you're not enough, God is not good enough, God is not enough, then we lose. We lose. Stay restless with the icon that does the same, the RX crafted by Lexus. Whether it's the RX crafted by Lexus, or it's the Artemis crafted by Demetrius, or it's the vision of patriotism crafted by Donald Trump, these things will not satisfy. To give allegiance to these things is to commit idolatry. And it is to lose and miss out on the victory that God has called us to. Our victory comes in knowing who we are in God. Our victory comes in hearing a particular voice that allows us to lift up our unique voice. Consider what happened to a person who's now known as Elliot Page, who when um, this transgender man was uh, identifying as a woman, as Ellen Page, she was acting alongside the great actor Ian McKellen. And Ian McKellen said that when he was acting with uh, the person who at the time was known as Ellen Page, she was so quiet, she could not lift up her voice for him to even hear what, what she was saying. And Ian McKellen was frustrated. He was saying, I can't hear what you're saying. Do you mind put, like, putting your hand up or down when you're finished talking so I have a signal of when? So he was frustrated that she couldn't lift up her, her voice. And then she came out as gay first. And then in a continual process of discovery, she eventually came out as transgender and is now known as uh, Elliot Page. And Ian McKellen said, I was blown away by the transformation in Elliot Page. He now lifts his voice. He now knows he's loved and he lifts, he found his voice. Where he was quiet before, now he's speaking. And this is what Elliot Page said about love, hearing a voice of love and lifting up his voice in turn. I can't begin to express how remarkable it feels to finally love who I am enough to pursue my authentic self. Jesus, when he's baptized, hears the voice that we are all called to hear. And he comes out of the waters, he hears the voice of God say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I presented to a, a group of my denomination some angst I was feeling. I was uh, dealing with a lot of confusion about finding organization in my life, figuring out where to devote my attention and my time because I felt like my time was divided by so many good things, but things that I felt like I was falling short at doing. So for instance, I um, do this. I preach once a week or, or, or uh, Mallory, another uh, preacher, also my wife, uh, preaches 
on behalf of the Ark, but I'm often doing that. And then um, also a bishop in our denomination, in, the, in, in our church organization, I should say, the Convergent Christian Communion. I'm a hospital chaplain. I was finishing writing a book. And I was, I was confused about what to do, how to go forward. And I presented this angst to uh, this group, our, our church organization, and listening to the questions I had, people were offering all kinds of really helpful advice. But then one person got to the heart of what was going on. And he didn't offer me any advice. He didn't say, um, he, didn't, he didn't specifically address the various questions I had about, well, you should put, you should devote this much time to this. And um, you could, here's an alternative for the time you're devoting to this wasn't an issue of time management. He got to the heart of the issue and he said, Sean, you're going to do great. And that is what I needed to hear. I didn't know that. But this was a question of hearing all of these competing voices. He helped turn up the voice that we need to turn up in our heart and turn up in public. It's a voice of love. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You are a beloved child of God and God is pleased with your acts of love. God is pleased when you turn your heart to God and then in turn, turn your heart to others. When you uh, turn up the volume that voice of love in your heart that reminds you that you are beloved, that God is pleased in you, we will then be called in turn to amplify the voices of love in public. And that is the deeply satisfying answer to the longings and the questions of our heart. It's what we're looking for. And when we don't have that turned up sufficiently in our lives, when we're not taking steps to attend to that voice of love, whether it's through journaling and reminding ourselves to silence those competing voices that tell us that we're not enough, that would uh, spark rivalry with other people. So journaling and reminding ourselves of the voice of love, reading scripture and attending to all of these passages about God's transformational love and God's kingdom of justice. Cornel West says that justice is what love looks like in public. When we do those things, we're going to find that love wins. Idolatry loses. Let's be on the winning side. The winning side is a loving side. Turn up the voice of love in your heart and amplify the voices of love in public. Hear God's love for you. Proclaim God's love for others. Our answer is not in a total allegiance to a country or to anything else or to anyone else. Our answer comes in total attention to a God of love. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always. Amen.